stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take anything astrological or anything that is related to the issues of romance or relationships. I investigate it under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm glad that you guys have joined me today. So before I get into my episode, I just wanted to cover what went direct within my week and what went retrograde. By the way, Stargazers, if you guys have a good direct or retrograde story, like what's what's really happening that's positive in your life as opposed to negative, hence the direct or retrograde, please feel free to share. I'd love to hear your stories and I'd love, you know, since astrology is all about self-improvement and learning from our mistakes, learning from what's actually happening to us, um, I'd love to hear those stories. I'd love to hear how things are going with you guys. But for my week, I would say the one thing that's really gone direct within this last week is um, if you guys have listened to my Scorpio episode, um, you kind of know that I've been dealing with some drama at my day job in my working sphere. So um, in order to counter that drama, I kind of came up to a point uh, within that same week where I just said, you know what, I, I can't deal with this anymore. I can't just live, you know, for somebody else. I can't just live with everyone else's drama that they decide to shove onto my plate and shove onto me. So what I've ended up doing is just focusing on my own life and my own ball of wax at this point. And quite honestly, Stargazers, it's been rather liberating and it's been helping me to really refocus on attention that's really needed, which is on myself more than anything. And on my, you know, what my goals, what my expectations are uh, in my life and the drama around me um, in turn has seemed to just kind of diminish, which is, um, that's really, I I just, I really find that to be rather awesome. I, I hate dealing with drama every single day, day in and day out, and especially with drama queens, unfortunately. Um, what has gone retrograde within my week, however, I have, you know, so I understand that it is Mars retrograde, but, um, as you guys may or may not know, I do commute to work at least like 40 minutes to an hour to work every day. And, um, this last week has been particularly bad with that commute. And I think what makes it really terrible is that, there have been a tremendous amounts of drivers who are displaying that either they don't care to know how to drive or that they don't know how to drive. Um, within this week, I've seen one person literally straddling both lanes in a two-lane sort of street and really like kind of not giving a care in the world that they were straddling two lanes, therefore endangering the lives of everybody around them. Um, it was before, you know, like right when they were doing this, then they start to zigzag between both lanes. So that's not good. Also, I've had um, situations where um, many people have been, Come really, actually this last week, I almost came into an accident as well too, because um, the other person was coming right at me um, at 50 miles an hour. Uh, She could have blindsided me 
And when I honked my horn, luckily my horn saved my life. I honked my horn. And when she looked at me, she looked at me through her window and she looked at me as though she were puzzled. So I'm just going to say this bad driving, I think has been what's been going retrograde in my life. And I think it's um, kind of, I feel like I'm, I, I feel like it's my need to kind of speak out about this. Um, if you are one of those bad drivers and you're kind of like, you know, smiling and being proud that you're the worst driver in the world, you might want to wipe off that smile and you might want to revamp that attitude because you're not going to be smiling if, say, the cops pull you over for straddling two lanes and they start testing you and giving you the third degree because they think you're on heavy drugs and possible alcohol intake, you know, that you're driving under the influence. You're also further not going to be happy when they summons you and they, they are summonsing you with, for every single penny that you own in your pocket. Also, uh, if you should get into an accident, uh, you're not going to be smiling if the other person should hire a accident lawyer or especially vehicular accident lawyer, you know, like Frank Azar or Sawaya Law Firm, uh, you're not going to be too happy if they're going to take you to court and they're going to sue you for every dime that you own. And furthermore, you're certainly not going to be smiling if something bad happens to you, if a really bad catastrophic happens to you because you're driving irresponsibly. I would say, Stargazers, if you don't know about a particular road rule, um, DMV has their driver's manual online. Check it out. I mean, there's no shame in checking that out. I have to do that every now and then myself, you know, especially, um, I've had to do that with left hand, um, turn lanes and what to do if there's not a light to indicate a left hand turn, just in case somebody is a, you know, an idiot honking at me behind behind me. It's, it's like, at least I know for my own sake what to do as opposed to what not to do. But if you're not sure as to what to do on the road, look at the driver's manual. Okay. And by all means, stargazers, be safe. If you are not, you are high, don't drive. If you're not competent enough, like if you're too tired, you're too drowsy, you don't know where you're going. You know, if you don't know where you're going, pull over, reorient yourself. There's no shame in that. Um, pull over, grab a map, grab like Google Maps, grab your GPS and reorient accordingly. But above all, don't skirt between two lanes. Don't make all these idiot mistakes because, I mean, you're costing the lives of everyone around you as well as your own life. And that's what makes me upset more than anything. It's been rather scary on the roads. I'm, I'm going to be quite frank with you. So I think that that's really what's gone retrograde in my life. It's just how frightening it is with the decisions that people are making behind the wheel. And again, I think that we can do better in all honesty. Um, I may be pre preaching to the choir here um, when it comes to driving, but really, stargazers, again, be safe out there, especially if you're behind the wheel. Be safe. Be sound. If you're not sure, look things up get a better, a better decision. If you need somebody who is a tough, is like really a tough cookie on you when you're driving, who needs to like point out all your errors and everything, have that person in the car when you're driving as well too. I mean, so just something to fix these mistakes, because like I said, it's, um, it's getting dangerous. Absolutely. And all the way. So, 
All right, so before I get on my other soapbox and preach, I'm going to, actually, I'm going to do away with the soapbox. Um, I actually am going to introduce today's uh, episode, which is on, so first off, I do have to say a shout out to Kyle Richards of the Beverly Hills Housewives, or actually known as the Housewives of Beverly Hills on Bravo. Um, she actually reminded me of a topic that I felt like has been need, has been needing attention for quite some time. And that is the topic of toxic positivity. Now I know what you guys are kind of thinking. It's like, okay, toxic positivity. Isn't that Sandra? Isn't that an oxymoron? And I, I actually felt the same way when I first heard about it. But when I actually did read more of an article on it off of LonerWolf.com, it actually started to click and it actually started to make sense to me. Even though, I mean, toxicity is very negative. Positivity is very positive. It's, uh, you know, definitely kind of like an oxymoron. But uh, I began to not only see how it could take place, but I began to see where there were examples of toxic positivity in my life. Um, two examples that came about within my working place settings. My first example was with my, um, I guess the best word to say it was she was like a uh, manager, like secondary manager in my first job. She displayed a lot of toxic positivity in the workplace and also someone else who I uh, met last year in another job where she also displayed a lot of toxic positivity towards me. I'll be mentioning these two individuals. Of course, they'll remain nameless, um, but um, I'll be mentioning examples of these two as to how they engage in toxic positivity and how to further understand this concept, since I know it's it's kind of a little bit of a weird concept um, all the way around. But I'd love to explore this with you, not only what it is and what its detriments are, but how it shows up astrologically, how, you know, because there are people who are far more prone to toxic positivity how this would show up in the natal chart and also how this shows up possibly like within transitory charts as well as in the synastry chart. And just like tips of what to do if you find yourself being engaged in toxic positivity or if you have others who engage in toxic positivity. Again, no shame on the show. I think actually um, we've all engaged in toxic positivity in one way or another. Yours truly is not exempt from that. I um, actually did engage in toxic positivity a little bit uh, in my 20s uh, when studying Buddhism. And I think it was just because I was misunderstanding the theories that I was reading. Um, but definitely um, getting to the root of that as well. So before uh, we go any further, what is toxic positivity being the oxymoron that it is? So with Loner Wolf, I feel like they had a brilliant picture when they actually introduced this topic and they introduced their article. And that was of somebody who had a prism for a head, but instead of beaming a beautiful, wonderful, clear uh, rainbow, it's like they were beaming out a rainbow that was full of neon fake colors and also rather muddy colors as well. I think they also had another picture of somebody who like put on 
sunglasses that were full of like, you know, rainbows and sunshines, sunshine and everything, you know, sunbeams and rainbows and everything. Um, but what they mentioned was that it's basically somebody who's like kind of taking all their ills in life and kind of sm- slapping happy faces everywhere. Um, now I know what you're thinking is like, well, that's not really so bad. So how's that toxic? Well, in my experiences of dealing with toxic positivity, um, I actually have seen where people have kind of taken this as a souped up version of stiff upper lip and where they literally shove down the negativity in their lives and shove down their negative emotions to where they have more outbursts. And also where they stifle a lot of growth in their life. I think really where toxic positivity becomes kind of toxic is these individuals, they have this belief system in their mind. And I feel this might have been, so again, not that I'm slamming these books. I think they're wonderful. But in the time in which I first noticed toxic positivity, which was 2008, The Secret came out and was an instant success by Rhonda Byrne. And also Eat, Pray, Love was an instant success on the uh, fiction uh, bestseller list. And both emphasize this notion of, you know, you got to think, it's like you got, if you want something in your life, you got to think positively about it or else it won't manifest, which I can understand. But I think a lot of people misinterpreted that as oh, I want my life to be so great, so I have to think positively all the time. And somehow the laws of manifestation and laws of attraction kind of bled over into this think positively and therefore success is going to be garnered to you and then think negatively and um, failure is going to be garnered to you, which to me is quite bogus. And I'll explain in just a moment why, why that is. But I do agree with manipalthetalk.org when they've mentioned that there's almost like a cult-like mentale when it comes to this sort of um, mindset. It's like people kind of veer towards this as though it's a universal truth when really um, it's a very controlling idea and it's a very limiting idea. Um, and actually I did have this happen. I mean, um, my co-boss, if I may, in um, my first working job or my first job ever, she kept say, stating that's like, you know, every. I mean, she was one person who she drank like five caramel macchiatos, venti caramel macchiatos at that. And um, she also just kept like trying to force being Little Miss Sunshine every single day. She wanted to think that she was Little Miss Sunshine. Instead, she was coming across as like an artificial beam of light. And everybody kept like asking her, why are you so upbeat? Why are you so campy? Why are you so positive all the time? And she literally would state to people, it's like, you know what? My family's situation, my own situation in life. You know, it could be like a complete season of Oprah and I'm just, I just decided to choose to be positive because that garnered success, whereas choosing negativity, I'm just done with it. And well, that, that's, that garners failure. 
um, where I did see more of the detriment, you know, so kind of getting into the detriments of toxic positivity. I mean, while you, you kind of look at on the surface, it's like, well, again, that doesn't seem so bad trying to think positively, garner success. Well, where this mentality leads is that um, this individual, the same individual um, actually ended up squashing down. I think there was like one day where my main manager had actually yelled at this person because she was kind of getting a little obnoxious and hitting emails a little too hard because she felt like she was an expert on a particular topic. And my main manager had flat out yelled at her in front of all of her peers and in front of the whole office. And instead of, you know, kind of countering this manager and saying, excuse me, so-and-so, please don't speak to me this way. If you feel like there's an issue, please um, speak to me privately, either in your office office or in the conference room. Well, instead of doing that, she kind of made this sort of sound, like she was screaming inside, start kicking her feet like a five-year-old. And then turned to her computer and was like literally fighting back and like kind of sucking back tears. Um, this is not healthy in the regard that she really not only was allowing, you know, boundary issues to pervade in the workspace, but also that she was tamping down the negativity, like the shame and the humiliation, as well as the, it, it was clear she was feeling a lot of anger with the fact that she was stomping her feet. She was screaming, you know, with her mouth closed. Um, it, it's, it, you know, obviously it was, it was pretty obvious. She had a lot of anger that she was just tamping down. And with that said, and I see this a lot with a lot of people who practice positive, uh, positive, or sorry, toxic positivity, sorry, um, I've seen that they tend to tamp the negativity down because, again, negativity, again, um, leads to failure. And in turn, this person actually, the same person actually had a ton of outbursts in um, the office. There are a ton of times where I'd walk in and she would regale me about how she got really dramatic, how she had a big knockdown drag out fight with said manager when really um, these things could have, you know, or that she just really, there are times where I literally saw her break down um, emotionally. And um, it was a little awkward to deal with. I do have to add, you know, it was nice for her to be positive, but it, it was hard for me to see what sort of side, what sort of Jekyll Hyde personality I would get or what I would oversee. And of course, whenever I'm not in an office and you're telling me that you had a knockdown drag out fight with somebody, I'm not really too thrilled. And I don't really trust you when I hear that that has happened. So like I said, with these outbursts, you know, and this happens a lot with people who engage in toxic positivity, they're shoving down all this negativity that they tend, you know, obviously when you tamp down the negativity, Kind of like what we see with stiff upper lip or chin held high, you know, we have outbursts. It's bound to happen. I mean, it's like the laws of nature and um, it's really human nature to have that happen. Uh, and those outbursts, they not only make things awkward, but a lot of people are not inclined to taking that person very seriously. And especially, you know, it's like you say you have an outburst. 
you don't admit that you had an outburst. You just like, you kind of go from outburst to I'm, I'm back and I'm positive all over again. It kind of, um, it's kind of, it's not only creepy, but it makes people very uncomfortable. Um, the second detriment that I have seen, um, with toxic positivity is that a lot of people who engage in this or a lot of people engage in the theory of positivity garners success, negativity garners failure. I actually, with the same set individual, I actually had heard her say that she was deferring on her student loans. She was afraid to pay her student loans because that was a source of negativity in her life and she couldn't handle that. Um, in this, I, I mentioned this example because toxic positivity, when you engage in it, it stunts your emotional growth. It stunts your emotional IQ, basically. And your emotional intelligence, your emotional IQ, you know, when you garner that, that's actually really important to handling life situations, that life's tough situations, as well as really problem solving effectively and also problem solving efficiently in life to get on top of what are obstacles in life. But um, I feel like those who engage in toxic positivity, they kind of resort themselves to being like five-year-old children again. You know, they just, they can't really, because they're so focused on being positive all the time, they're only focused on the positive things in life and they're, they're shaming or quashing down negativity from other people or even within themselves, they're really not holding up a realistic mind view and they're not really holding up a realistic worldview for living their lives. So um, they don't really handle life very well as was mentioned in the aforementioned example. Another example came from somebody who I'd met at another institution. Um, she was just always bright and positive and, you know, again, kind of forcing the positivity. Yeah, and talking about reckless driving, um, she was walking home one day and she was in an accident. And, you know, she was walking home and somebody had hit her, literally. And instead of, you know, in, you know kind of, you know, mentioning, gee, this really sucks and everything of that nature. I think she ended up having a complete outburst with this person, but then she came back to work with, oh, it's okay. Oh, it's going to be all right. La, 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 rosy colored glasses on. It's all, it's all good. And it wasn't all good. I mean, her, her knee was shredded and she was in crutches. It, it's like, it, it, it was almost as though um, she couldn't really acknowledge or face the negative that, that had happened to her. And, Again, that, that stunts your growth. Um, it also, I mean, it, again, it's just really, it, it kind of tell, it kind of, um, seems to me too, you're not only not facing reality, but also it's kind of like, um, you're just not facing things head on either. And, uh, again, it's, it's very, not only it's creepy, but it's also just really not healthy. You know, it, it's okay to say that something sucks and it, it's not going to, it's not going to lead to, um, you know, failure when you do say that. The third thing that I really think is really bad when it comes down to toxic positivity. So it really stunts uh, individual growth. It stunts individual sort of interactions and being able to, um, you know, carry out life efficiently. But I think the third thing is when it comes to relationships, 
it's so toxic in the regard that, or so bad in the regard that you, so to, people who engage in toxic positivity usually try to do away with the negative. They either avoid the negative in life, or when it comes to an individual, like say an individual comes up to that person and states, you know, I really didn't have a very good day. I'm kind of wondering if I can chill with you. That person in turn shuns or shames that individual for having a bad day. There have been sources that state that this is like a, a mild form of gaslighting uh, to that individual. Um, they kind of exacerbate this person's bad day by shaming them um, for having the bad day, but also for um, like really kind of head tripping them into thinking that, oh, this is, you know, you're just, you have negative vibes. Oh, you just have a really bad mindset and really you need to work with that. I think also um, the other thing is just flat out when you're shamed for having a bad day, that doesn't go very well for relationships. And I actually had the former where I was shamed. I remembered um, with uh, the certain person that I met last year, um, I actually was having a hard time with a coworker. And this was rather, the situation was rather disappointing because I thought this individual was indeed a friend because she did come to me in a time of need and she was very gracious with me. But uh, thinking that I could trust her mistakenly, um, I actually, you know, told her, it's like, wow, I'm having such a hard time with this individual and man, he's just getting on my last nerve. Well, this person turned around, shouted bad juju in my face went over to her other so-called friend, another peer. And she, by the way, did I mention she shot bad juju in front of all my peers as well as, you know, within two inches of my face. Then she went over to one of her other so-called friends, another peer of mine, and started to talk smack behind my back two feet away from me. And then she wanted to, you know, she turned around and prefaced it with, I know what you're going through, sweetie, but I really need to move on or something, you know, something kind of flippant like that. And, uh, well, let's just say this individual offered her phone number to me and, uh, guess what happened to that phone number? Yeah. Pour a little milk on it, maybe add it with a little water and oops, it must've disappeared. Because really, in all honesty, I could recognize the toxic positivity for what it was at that time. And let's just say I've had my fair share of toxic friends over time, and I wasn't going to put up with it. But um, I feel like this was a great example because a lot of people who engage in toxic positivity do exactly that with relationships. They shame the other person for having negative experiences or if somebody has a realistic worldview, they shame them for having that realistic worldview because it's too negative for them and they can't handle it. They're too fragile in their ego and they, they can't handle these sort of situations. So in order to, I think one thing that I'd like to lead with before I investigate the astrological implications of toxic positivity is that you know, before we say, you know, oh, well, toxic positivity is bad, so therefore it's great to just be negative. Um, my, that's not where I'm going on this episode. What, one thing I would just say is 
if you are engaging in toxic positivity or you know someone who is engaging in toxic positivity, I think really uh, we as a culture, I think we're all guilty of it, you know, and as a culture, I feel like it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a, a social epidemic almost. It's just something that really just doesn't serve us. And I think also with the rise in manifestation right now, it really, um, it's not going away anytime soon. I feel like there's going to be a lot of people who hear toxic positivity and they're going to resist with every core of their being. And, you know, I get it. If something's working for you, it's very hard to change. But, you know, um, I think let's start off with looking at the role of negativity in life. Now, you know, while it's not good to have a pity party and wallow in your own negativity, you know, and I get that, um, you know, by the same token, just being positive all the time is very unrealistic. So the way I look at negativity and the way that I came out of my own toxic positivity um, in my 20s into my 30s was that, um, well, kind of interestingly, I was studying Buddhism I was misunderstanding the principles. And when I was actually going to an insight meditation meet with the insight meditation center held here in Denver, um, I actually was studying under a master and uh, he actually mentioned, you know, a Buddhist scholar coming in and looking around and going, you know, kind of wondering why everybody was so either toxic positivity or also toxic positivity is also known as being blissed out. And he said, you know, where is the acknowledgement of samsara, a.k.a. suffering? Where's where's the growth in all of this? You know, when the um, the actual instructor said, well, what, what do you mean? That's where the person had said, that's where this, um, you know, Buddhist scholar had actually said, you know, um, you guys have got, you know, you guys in America and in the West, you've got Buddhism all wrong. It's like, it's, it's not about doing away with the samsara. It's about embracing your samsara and then learning from that. Which I found when I heard that in a Dharma talk, I actually found that that was actually really enlightening for me. Um, it really helped me because I, I remember just kind of squashing the negativity, squashing the samsara away, doing away with the samsara. It really didn't do me a ton of favors. I mean, again, I ended up having a lot of emotional outbursts myself. Um, so really, I think what I'm trying to get to is when we come, when we get to the negativity in life, I think instead of negativity as being something that's, ooh, baneful, that should be shunned, that shouldn't be at all a part of ourselves in any way, shape or form, I think that we should look at negativity as, you know, sometimes that's a way of life giving us a wake up call. And most of the time, it's giving us a wake-up call on things that we really aren't doing right right now. And it's giving us a moment of opportunity to where we can reflect and we can learn uh, from this particular form of negativity. While right now, it really sucks that I'm dealing with drama at work. And while it really sucks that I'm dealing with debt as well, you know, from medical bills and medical expenses, um, I feel like life had thrown this my way in order to get me to pay more attention to my finances because I really wasn't doing that very well. 
And also the drama is a test as to how well I can actually handle drama, not only what not to do when handling drama, but how I can handle drama in the future. You know, what's what else can be in my toolkit for handling drama in the future and how to evade or even, well, I don't want to say evade, but how to just kind of um, ride with it instead of avoiding it as, as I have been over these um, so many years. But uh, really, when it comes down to negativity, it's really more about what can we learn from this negative experience as opposed to squashing it. Because I feel like when you squash that opportunity, you're squat, you know, just kind of think about this. If you are engaging in toxic positivity, when you're squashing your samsara away or you're squashing your suffering away, you're kind of squashing the ability to learn and squashing opportunity away as well. Um, so I think that that's one way to kind of uproot and get out of this toxic positive mindset, this toxic positivity mindset as well. And like I said, you know, to um, hear about embracing samsara, embracing your suffering, therefore that's how you come to nirvana in Buddhism. That really, that was a really revolutionary shift in my life, a really great paradigm shift in my life. And I've had to use it ever since. And I mean, I've actually even had to use it in even re-looking at what karma means, because I think also toxic positivity also happens too when we're looking at, well, something bad's happening to me, so therefore it must be my karma and that's my fault. No, something, how about something bad is happening to you to help you learn and help you to move farther up towards your moksha or your truth or your nirvana or however you want to come to it. Uh, you know, again, your enlightenment, so to speak. Um, so I feel like that's a, a great way to kind of uproot the toxic positivity. I, I think it's like moving away from toxic positivity and moving into uh, reality, you know, how to be realistic as opposed to being pessimistic or optimistic, you know, so being overly optimistic, you know, how about being overly realistic, you know, that way you're kind of rooted in reality and you're kind of embracing your experiences in full. All right, stargazers. So um, moving into the astrology of toxic positivity. So um, this really was kind of interesting because um, I'm, well, this is going to be an interesting episode because I'm going to be hanging out on my own with my own theories on this one. Uh, there were no, actually, a lot of astrologers did not have anything to say about um, what causes toxic positivity, like what sort of planetary shifts or houses or anything of that nature. So if you got, if there are professional astrologers that are listening to me right now, um, definitely comment as to your thoughts and your views about toxic positivity. You know, how do you feel um, this shows up in the, the natal chart? How do you feel this shows up in transits? How do you feel when it shows up in um, sinistry? What does it look like for you? Like what sort of planets are involved? What sort of aspects are involved for you? Um, I'll give you what I think um, this would be. But again, Stargazers, this is not definitive. Um, so that's why, like I said, I invite every professional astrologer to remark on this. And maybe, um, hopefully, this can be an open conversation and an open engagement. Um, 
definitely remark um, if wherever you are listening to this podcast, or you can also definitely give me um, some input uh, at either misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com, or also at my Instagram page at Sandra dot M-I-S-E-K, that is uh, at Sandra dot Misek as well. But getting right into it, so um, I felt like the first thing when kind of taking into consideration that we're dealing with an excess of positivity here, two plants are really responsible for positivity in the chart, and that's usually Venus and Jupiter. Now, when I looked at Venus, I kind of thought, I kind of um, did a process of elimination I really felt like Venus was not really a big culprit because Venus is all about, you know, when somebody has a bad day, Venus is all about listening, really um, kind of acknowledging this person, listening with your heart, listening with your, your ears, your head, and really showing compassion and mercy to that person. Um, really kind of like old school Christians where it's like treat your neighbor as you'd like to be treated and really listen to your neighbor as you would like to be listened to. I feel like that's the embodiment of Venus in and of itself in social interactions. So my other culprit was Jupiter. And actually, I did feel like Jupiter is more of a culprit when it comes down to those who are prone to engaging in toxic positivity. Um, the reason for why I'm thinking that is because Jupiter's il main ailment, you know, while Jupiter, I mean, is really great when it comes down to inviting good luck, lots of abundance, great health, really an expansive mindset. By the same token, its ill point is being into excess. And, you know, again, it can, it can invite positivity and happiness, but sometimes into excess. And I feel like ex excessive positivity is not um, exempt from this. I usually think that if someone is prone to toxic positivity, or if there are couples that are also prone to having toxic positivity pervade in their relationship, I would usually say one or both of the couples, um, or even just in the individual nail chart, I wouldn't be surprised if Jupiter is in prominent places such as near the Ascendant, the Imam Coli, or your IC, the Descendant, or the Midheaven, or your MC. So respectively, in your first house, beginning of your first house, beginning of your fourth house, beginning of your seventh house, or beginning of your tenth house. Um, that's where a lot of planets are. These four points are where a lot of planets tend to get like more juice and more emphasis as well, too. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if Jupiter is in hard aspect with either Pluto or Neptune or both planets, as a matter of fact. Um, let's go ahead and start off with Pluto, you know, like Jupiter squared Pluto, Jupiter, Jupiter opposition Pluto, or even Jupiter semi squared Pluto. Or and, and Quinn comes with Pluto as well. Um, I feel like um, really when it comes down to toxic positivity, as I mentioned earlier, um, the theory of only think of positive things because that garners success, whereas negativity garners failure. I feel like that's a very controlling mentality. And I feel like a lot of people who engage in toxic positivity are also very, um, their, their tendency is to kind of control 
the dialogue and to control the lives of others, you know, in shunning negativity, in shaming people for being negative. And just also, you know, this whole bright, cheery act. It's like if, if, you know, I think the whole mental behind it is if I'm really positive, I'm going to garner great prestige. I'm going to be able to control the masses through this. Also, the um, the whole theories with toxic positivity are also, and I agree with this, they are cult-like. And cults are known to control their members. And they're known to control their members with very black and white thinking. And if you look at toxic positivity, it is black and white thinking. You know, um, you're, you're thinking negatively, therefore you're, you're garnering failure. you got to think positively. That's a very controlling mindset. And I kind of feel like that's where squared Pluto comes into play. Pluto is all about controlling the narrative, boxing people in, really um, taking a powerful stance in situations or taking a power stance, being also almost thirsty for control. And, you know, to have this this uh, sort you know, like Jupiter and hard aspect with Pluto, I think would garner toxic positivity in full. Or I think this is where toxic positivity would come into play. Jupiter um, and hard aspects are either squared in opposition, semi-squared, or even in quincunx to uh, Neptune, I think is also another culprit. Because, you know, a lot of people who engage in toxic positivity, yours truly, it was not exempt from this, but we're normally deluded into thinking this way. There's like a delusional, metaphysical, spiritual theory behind thinking or in toxic positivity terms that we're usually not aware of what we're doing and what's happening to us in the process. We're not aware that we're actually tamping down our negative emotions that we're engaging in stiff upper lip and hold your chin high. And, you know, we're not aware of the detriments that we're causing to ourselves as well as in our relationships as well. Basically, um, it's like we're deluded by the rosy color glasses we put on um, or those who engage in toxic positivity are deluded by the, the rosy color glasses they put on that they don't really realize the damage that they're actually doing. So again, I think the delusional, the illusional aspect of Neptune definitely does come into play. I also, I know a lot of Sagittarians and Librans are probably going to be a little mad at me with this one and, and, you know, kind of, kind of hang in there and let me, let me try to explain. Um, well, I, I think that, um, even though Sagittarius is really great in, their very boisterous, adventurous spirit, their shadow side is um, really kind of being like in a group think mental and being kind of like a groupie. So um, to have somebody who also has a lot of planets in Sagittarius, that also can be a prone, being prone to thinking, you know, going into this toxic positivity mode. And, you know, with Sagittarians, they're very boisterous, they're very positive, they're very, you know, open-minded, but Sometimes if they have a ton of planets, that's a lot of heavy energy and a lot of heavy emphasis. And that's where I can see where it's like, oh my God, life is going wrong. So let me go ahead and think positive thoughts and maybe I'll, you know, my life will go just right. 
Um, and, you know, uh, you know, in that regard with Sagittarius, they can be very childlike in that regard. And somebody who has all planets in Sagittarius can be very childlike in that regard. Libra, so before, okay, so Librans, before you get mad at me, I'm just going to say I, I have a lot of planets in Libra myself. And I kind of feel like this was one culprit to why I kind of blissed myself out with Buddhism back in my 20s and into my 30s. Um, but yeah, a lot of plants in Libra are also, I feel like, can be a heavy culprit, um, you know, in the in the chart. So um, again, I feel like with Libra, because Libra is so afraid of tipping the balance, that they want to just see the positive. And I've seen a lot of Libras, a lot of people who have sun, their sun sign in Libra, just put on the rosy colored glasses and just kind of kind of look at everything that's positive while overlooking the things that are negative in order to keep the balance and the peace in their lives as well. And um, I know I have been guilty of it myself, having a lot of planets in Libra. Um, and I just feel like, again, it kind of goes out saying somebody who has a lot of plants in Libra is also more prone to engaging in toxic positivity. Um, however, I feel like those who have a lot of plants in Libra, unlike Sagittarius, where Sagittarius can be very resolute, I feel like Librans tend to catch on pretty quickly. You know, when they kind of hear that, oh, I'm, I'm acting on a detriment. Oh, let me fix that. And when they, you know, hear more about toxic positivity, these are individuals who are more, you know, individuals who have a lot of plants in Libra are more inclined to fixing it and trying to make a right out of a wrong, as opposed to where Sagittarius, it might take them a little while to kind of see the wrong in what they're doing. Because again, um, with Sagittarius, they're all about the expansive mindset and really sometimes clinging on to expansive mindset that sometimes it's a little hard to let go. And, um, you know, the two aforementioned individuals in this episode, I would not be surprised if actually they did not only were their sun signs in Sagittarius, but also I would not be surprised to find if they had like maybe a stellium in Sagittarius along with their sun sign. Um, I, I just, I, I find that that to be very true or even in Libra as well. To help further dive into this, let's go ahead and dive into Kyle Richards' chart, who I decided to feature in this week's episode, because, well, she's the individual who inspired this this episode. And if you guys are uh, Real Housewife of, of Beverly Hills fans, you guys are wondering why I'm thinking this. A lot of the time in Kyle Richards' confessionals and also when she engages with her friends, how many times have I heard of, you know, gee, I just want to focus on the positive. Gee, I just want everyone to be positive. I just want everything to be drama free because that's just, that's just going to make my life far more easier. You know, gee, I want oil and water to mix because that'll make my life so much easier. Why is this not happening? Well, um, you know, Kyle, it would make our lives, all of our lives so much easier, but sometimes there's a reason why two friends in your friend circle are not getting along. And maybe it's because they have different values, you know, but with Kyle, I mean, she expects everyone to get along all the time and be in blissful peace, put on the rosy colored glasses. And that's that. Um, and in a way I feel like with her friends, she does engage in toxic positivity. 
you know, the, the final, I mean, the season finale of this uh, season's episode was really very the epitome of it where um, she really engaged in toxic positivity to such a degree that I feel like she destroyed her friendship with Lisa Rinna as well as with um, Erica Girardi because of her sister, um, Kathy and her outburst, you know, and her inappropriate behavior. So, um, you know, and just because she wants to want everybody to get along and, you know, kind of shunning again, the negativity kind of shunning the drama out of her life. She ended up causing a lot of damage to her friendships this last season as well. So I'm going to go ahead and dive into her chart. It's not going to be a diss chart. I promise it's not going to be a diss session. I promise. I'm just kind of pointing out like what's going on in her chart to call, like I said, if, if um, there's what I theorize or if there might be even something more to cause the toxic positivity in her relationships. So diving right into Kyle Richards's chart. So if you guys don't know her very well, I'll go ahead and, and um, kind of give a little bit of an astrological background. Her sun sign is in Capricorn, moon sign in Libra, and she also has her ascendant in Leo. Now, ascendant in Leo, I know from my own personal experience, that's a big look at me, look at me, look at me. So she's not a, definitely a typical Capricorn in this regard. She's definitely more concerned about her appearances. She's definitely more concerned about people liking her. Um, yes, she does have a business side to her, especially since, um, you know, Capricorn and her sun sign appear in the sixth house. Uh, she does have a very great working mentale. Um, she is very uh, driven towards success, but a lot of it is due to outer appearances. You know, people just liking outer appearances and liking liking her. Um, her moon in Libra doesn't really help with that. Um, she really, I mean, with Kyle, she likes to seek for balance and, you know, like where she's really at most harmony um, in her relationships is when, um, you know, internally in her soul, obviously everybody's getting along everything is peaceful, everything is harmonious. And I think everybody who has a moon in Libra comes to harmony and balance in a different way. For her, I feel like with the Leo Ascendant and the Sun in Capricorn, that she really likes it when it's, you know, again, her friendship group is together. I really also think that's really when her family is well balanced as well, too. What's very striking about Kyle Richards is that her moon is actually conjunct her natal Mars. Even though Mars is in Scorpio, a couple degrees in Scorpio, her moon is actually late Libra and her Mars is in early Scorpio and they are conjunct. And usually what this indicates to me is wild and erratic moods. And I kind of feel like the, the maintaining, wanting to maintain peace and harmony in the relationship is to mask these wild erratic moods that she has or wild erratic mood swings that she would have, especially since these two plants are hugging her Imam Coley, the beginning of her fourth house. I feel that there's a lot that has to do with a lot of childhood trauma, unfortunately. Um, and you know, I mean, I could go furthermore into her relationship with her mom as opposed to her relationship with her dad. I think I'll refrain 
for all purposes of this episode, but um, I really think that she dealt with a lot of heavy childhood trauma. Um, the death of her mom being one, but I think also really just dealing with her sisters and her sister's dynamic being another. And that's a, you know, for her, it's a very sensitive subject. It's a very sensitive part of her. I mean, especially with Mars hitting such a personal planet, such as the moon and a really internal planet, such as the moon. Um, it's a very sore subject for her. Um, one thing I'd say with Kyle Richards is that um, I think really when it comes down to the moon and Mars being conjunct like this and having the, the erratic moods, really kind of taking a look, not only taking a look and ironing out those, these traumas from childhood and really ironing out with a maybe like a skilled professional therapist, but I think also finding ways to put that chapter to bed as much as you can put that chapter to bed, you know, and finding ways to move forward in your life. You know, obviously there might not be balance within your family, but trying to move forward, you know, reconciling whatever is in your family's dynamic and moving forward with that. Now, I know that's something that Kyle has a lot of heart as an issue with, but I think really training, you know, kind of working with a skilled, trained therapist, I think would be very beneficial to her in dealing with childhood issues, childhood trauma, and also um, in dealing with family trauma and how to move forward with that. Um, knowing that she's done everything possible to try to mend her ways with her sisters and with her family. And most of the time, it just doesn't go very well. Uh, Kyle does have actually three planets in Libra. Her chart is very similar to mine, I do have to say. Um, but she does have Jupiter and um, Uranus conjunct in the third house in Libra, along with her moon. Uh, so kind of testing out my theories with the toxic positivity, I kind of feel like, yeah, having all those plants in Libra is a culprit, especially that personal plant in Libra, and just wanting to mask all childhood traumas, insecurities, and just being, oh, everything's all positive, everything's all great, um, I think is, is part of the, the toxic positivity um, that she displays on the show. I feel with um, Jupiter being conjunct Uranus, um, so usually this indicates a very uh, wide sociopolitical worldview, you know, a very open-minded individual. But unfortunately, um, with this situation where it's placed, I can also see where this can garner being more susceptible to toxic, into believing the theories of toxic positivity and actually being more susceptible to any misleading theories as well to like being revolutionized by very cultish misleading theories in general. Um, with Kyle, she does have a semi-square with Pluto. Uh, Pluto is actually in uh, Virgo, whereas Jupiter is in Libra. So that, you know, being next door to each other, they are in an inharmonious aspect. They are squared. Um, and with that said, I feel like there is an inner sense, especially since Pluto, it, it, it's interestingly enough, Pluto's in her second house. So definitely she likes to be in charge of the purse strings and the family dynamic. 
and she likes to be in charge of her money and also be really in control of her security more than anything in a relationship. But, you know, being semi-squared uh, with Jupiter in Libra, you know, so Jupiter in Libra, you know, Jupiter is kind of expansive minds, you know, like a peaceful, expansive mindset. So I can really see this expansive, this expansion of wanting to be peaceful, wanting to be fair, leading to toxic positivity. But I could see where the underlying underpinnings of this, you know, wanting things to be harmonious, wanting things to be fair in the friend group is so that she can actually take control over the friend group or she can take control over any sort of relationships to where she's calling the shots and she's calling the shots to where she thinks it's, you know, to gain equilibrium and to gain, you know, a sense of fairness in the relationship and really um, what she's doing instead is just trying to gain control by using toxic positivity, especially um, since she's denying a lot of people's experiences on the show. Um, she's kind of denying, you know, when two people are fighting, she's kind of, you know, trying to act holier than thou and she's above all this. And, you know, how dare you engage in positivity or how dare, sorry, not positivity, how dare you engage in negativity? Um, I, I just feel like it's her way of trying to control the dynamic I feel a sense of control, again, usurps and kind of helps her to feel as though she's gaining control over some, again, residual childhood traumas that have followed her in life. Also, um, so it's interesting, Neptune is actually in uh, Scorpio in Kyle Richards' chart. I find that interesting because um, that is a uh, placement for an interest in the occult, which Kyle, Kyle Richards does have. One thing I would just say to her is please be very wary, especially when it comes to mediumship and communing with the dead. It could lead to something else, but that's my own personal opinion. But anyway, um, with Jupiter, it is also semi-squared Neptune. In the regard that um, in feeling that she has this expansive worldview of being peaceful and of being fair, she's easily deluded into thinking that being positive, being so Beverly Hills, being so fake, being, um, you know, kind of blissed out and wanting fairness in her friendship group, she's kind of deluded into thinking that this is the right thing. When really what she's doing is that she's kind of stifling her awareness of, you know, hey, these friends aren't getting along. They aren't working well together. Um, maybe I should just help them mend their spirit or maybe I should just help them out with um, their differences instead of trying to help them come together. You know, she has this very deluded thinking that she can, you know, you know, just kind of exert control over the friendship group by, you know, positive, you know, toxic positivity, the little does she know that she's actually doing a lot of damage to that friendship group by denying experiences, by also denying the fact that some of the friends in the friendship group just don't get along. They just have different agendas, you know, like Garcelle Beauvais and Lisa Rinna have very completely different agendas and very completely different worldviews. 
You know, Garcelle, she wants to move forward with her broadcasting career. She wants to move forward with her book. And she just wants to really expand on the life that she, successful life that she has right now. Whereas Lisa Rinna, she's really content with the expansive life that she has right now. And she just wants to live in the present and really appreciate every single moment that comes her way. Because there's a, a lot of... um you know, calamity. Well, like this last year, there's a lot of calamity when it came to her mom passing on and kind of putting everything into perspective. So again, very two different worldviews. And, you know, when you have two friends that do different world worldviews, I mean, you can get them together. You can get them to try to, you know, fake positivity or toxic positivity it out, but it just, it just, it just doesn't work in the end, you know, two individuals are just two individuals. They're just going to do what they're going to do. Um, but I think with Kyle, what would help her with toxic positivity is really seeing, like I said, again, the damage that's being done um, with engaging in this mindset, really seeing beyond the illusion that she's being the peacekeeper here, when really sometimes she's actually stirring the pot, or sometimes she's actually causing more problems than she's actually resolving. And maybe, um, maybe kind of focusing on her own ball of wax instead of engaging in toxic positivity in order to avoid and evade childhood trauma, maybe focusing more of her efforts and her energies on overcoming some of the snags that this um, Mars conjunct moon is causing in her life. Um, you know, and also the, uh, you know, so kind of getting more control over her um, um, emotional upheavals, I think would be a great way to kind of, you know, really focus her efforts on something more worthwhile. I also think too, when it comes down to Kyle, when it comes to um, toxic positivity, she is not exempt from actually trying to take a look at the negativity in her life as learning lessons. Now, I know that's easier said than done, but um, I mean, if you just take a look at the negatives, like the drama that's going on with your friends, that maybe the drama that's going on with your friends is teaching that these two individuals just don't get along. And then maybe they do need their space and they do need their separate ways. They do need to go their separate ways. If that's causing so much anxiety, you know, like separation anxiety almost, again, that's where the, you know, working with a licensed therapist would be really very beneficial for Kyle Richards. But yeah, overall, um, yeah, I, I just feel like there's a lot of potential for growth. You know, I think the three plants in Libra, I think with Kyle, she's willing to try to work through some of those, these issues that are pervading. It's just really buckling down and actually doing it. All right, Stargazer. So I know what some of you are thinking, especially if you're engaging in um, toxic positivity. Um, I know like some of you may be saying, well, but Sandra, you know, you, you mentioned toxic positivity, but in being positive, I've had so many things open up for me in my life, just like with the law of manifestation, you know, how dare you? Well, for that, I say, you know what, that's great that you've had a lot of things resolve themselves and you've had some things open up in your life. But I really um, would say reevaluate what toxic positivity has really brought into your life and really reevaluate, you know, you said that doors are open. Well, how did those doors open? 
Did they open because you denied somebody's experience? Did they open because you shamed somebody in front of their peers? Did they open because you actually engaged in gaslighting techniques or that you engaged in actually a lot of forms of negativity, ironically? And if so, I, I feel like you can provide a lot more in your life um, by blending the negativity in with the positivity. By actually seeing the negativity as to how you can learn from it as opposed to how you can stifle it. And I think that you can actually grow from what was brought into your life as well, too. I also think that, again, negativity is what we learn in life. Like I mentioned earlier, um, it's a wake up call, you know, for what we need to do better. And I think really um, embracing and redefining our relationship with what's negative in life, I think, is really um, needed at this time. You know, again, it's not like we're wallowing in a pity party, but, um, you know, really, again, using it as a stepping stone to getting ahead as opposed to something that is baneful that we should avoid at all costs as well. I feel like in this regard, we can learn from, um, even though Libra is prone to toxic positivity, I feel like we can learn from the balanced version of Libra in balancing two polar opposites in making a, a, a far more sound and more resourceful situation in life. And then I think also, um, you know, a toxic positivity, again, it's kind of quashing, you know, it's doubting yourself and doubting others. It's, it's you know, based off of self-doubt and also doubting others. So I feel like, you know, um, with how to deal or how to um, overcome toxic positivity, I think that, you know, to be more transparent and honest with yourself and honest with others First off, that's, you know, I know when I engaged in toxic positivity myself, I, um, when I heard that, you know, samsara can actually, samsara or suffering, um, can actually, you know, embracing your suffering can actually bring you towards nirvana. When I actually took that notion in mind and actually did embrace the samsara, you know, at that time it was one of my employer had, um, replaced me with somebody else, did not tell me about it. And I was pretty upset with that at the time. But instead of really trying to engage in toxic positivity, to actually embrace that, to say, you know what, I'm really mad at this person for doing that. You know, she could have just told me and I, I would have been open to it. I would have been cool with it, you know, and actually kind of having that minute to just say, you know what, this really upsets me. You know what, this really sucks. You know, I think that that's, um, for me, it was a breath of fresh air. I felt like um, for once, my insights really felt far more relieved. Um, it didn't feel like I was causing more emotional disturbances by tamping down the negativity. And then furthermore, um, I just felt like I was being more transparent with my own internal needs and also with myself um, in regards to life. And it just, it helped me to open up to okay, so how can we resolve this situation? Or, okay, how can I move forward in this life even though I'm I'm going to be honest, I'm mad at this person. And um, I, I feel like once you are far more transparent and honest with yourself and get away from this positivity leads to success, negativity leads to failure, when you start to notice that negativity actually leads towards success 
or negativity is a stepping stone towards success, especially if we learn from the lessons from it. Um, you know, in being more transparent, it's going to feel really good. And all of that emotional baggage and all that emotional weight that you've been carrying around with the toxic positivity, it's just going to lift as well. Not to mention that your relationships are going to be far better. You're going to be a far more compassionate person as opposed to a selfish person who's shutting down people and shutting down experiences because they don't fit with your mold and they don't fit with your worldview. So, um, Stargazers, I do hope that this episode was enlightening with toxic positivity. As I've said, um, my astrological viewpoints are not definitive. So again, to all those astrologers, definitely reach out to me if you feel like there's anything different. Also, um, if you guys are uh, looking to get a free uh, synastry reading, uh, definitely check out my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology. For as little as $5 a month, you can support me and support this podcast, as well as get that free reading. Um, definitely visit patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology for more details. But I think above all, um, for this week, Stargazers, be careful if you're behind the wheel. Definitely drive very carefully. Please do not straddle two lanes. Uh, please do not, you know, cut in front of somebody. And above all, please, please, please slow down on the speed limit. Please mind the speed limit. Please slow down. But above all, um, you know, with the frustrations of Mars retrograde, don't be afraid to look up at the stars. It gives us a nice little pause from all the frustration that's happening right now. And if nothing else, it also gives us a point of view when it comes to all, you know, our origins with astrology. We just came out of a lunar eclipse this week. I feel like this is something to actually celebrate. Yeah, a lunar eclipse that happened in Taurus. Feel free to um, actually listen to my lunar eclipse episode in order to review what you can do, how this affects relationships, and how this affects um, individuals as well, too. I do have to say for myself, I didn't feel like it was as bad as the last lunar eclipse in Scorpio was. So um, hopefully that's the same with you guys. But above all, stargazers, be safe and be well. And until next time.